You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. You've tuned in to the motherfucking great S-O-E-P-O-D. You kids get to bed, I get the storybook. Y'all tucked in? Here we go. Licky, licky, sucky, sucky, Mikey, bratty, luck me, duck me, more junk in the trunk than a hondo. I know you want to do the Jane Fondo, no wait, Mondo, Mondo video, and Bleeding Skull return this week for scary tales 1993 and massacre video joins the sov conversation with spine 1985 you are listening to the sov p-o-d-t-h-e stands for the and this is the sov podcast man i am mike d and joining me now forever and always (laughs) is Brad. For the love of all that is holy by class of 1999, you fucking cucks. Henderson. Brad, baby, how is you? You know, in junior high, you really kicked ass. Yeah, I thought you were pretty bad yourself. But, you know, hey, whatever. I just live class of 1999 on a daily basis. And we are recording this week in Alabasas, California, home of a motherfucking Kardashian and a Caritas. Yes, Matthew Caritas, he of Samurai Cop fame. Brad, how is it returning to the SoCal, my man? SoCal is fine as a motherfucker. It's beautiful here. I just I just like holding hands with you, just walking around and enjoying the sunlight, uh, so the sunshine and, you know, the nice, the beautiful air that we breathe. On this lovely Friday, speaking to all these lovely people that are listening on this beautiful, most wonderful Mike Delaney day. That's what I call these days now, Mike Delaney days, because they're just filled with sheer joy. I call them lovely as fuck lit fam AF days because I am with you always and it is so nice. You know, I I love that move that you and I do because we both have beards. And, and we like to, Brad and I role play. We do some LARPing. We'll talk about LARPing uh, later in the show, of course, with uh, <laughs> Scary Tales. But but the LARPing Brad and I do in real life is we play a game where we are both, we're both some kind of monkey or ape. And what we like to do is we like to, we like to pick at each other's beards with our teeth to, 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 to pretend that we're picking out lice. And, but you know what? There's no lice because, because we're well-groomed men. What we're doing is we're kissing each other on the mouth. Arby's, of course, mm. paid our way back to Southern California this week, and Moon Pie is offering to pick up the tab next week. Brad? Yes. Yes, Mike. Yes. Do you love unhealthy food as much as me? You know, I was, um, I was, I was starting to eat a little bit healthier, but when we did this show, uh, and we, you know, started talking about Arby's, Arby's came to us and started, you know, uh, they mentioned sponsorship, uh, then Moon Pie got involved. <laughs> I mean, 
I feel like I'm the junk food king now and a slut, a whore for, for taking this money and promoting this, uh, these foods. But I tell you what, they're tasty. This is a good opportunity to remind all of our listeners at home that Arby's and Moon Pie came to us. They came to us. They were fucking begging. They were like, please, motherfuckers, please let us give you money to continue this awesome show about shot on video movies. Please, for the love of God, just mention our fucking sandwiches and our goddamn cookies that are sold in the cookie aisle please motherfuckers please and we are like yes we'll do it it's okay we'll do it we'll say your name easy easy decision not very hard with the cash money they were thrown in front of us it it was quite a bit i'm talking hundreds of dollars hundreds like 200 hey it's paying for these trips it's paying for that watch you have on that's a nice watch i wear a watch And I have a phone in my pocket that also tells me the time. I have a goddamn microwave that I keep the time on. And my fucking car stereo will also tell me the time. If anyone wants to know what time it is, ask me. I'm fucking rich. If talkies came to us, we would gladly pull down our pants, bend the fuck over, and take the fucking fuego because god damn it, I love those lime chili chips. Brad, speaking of unhealthy food, let's do some TNT, TBS, Ted Turner, 1995 dinner and a movie bullshit, shall we? Beans and cornbread. Beans and cornbread. Yes, I I, I, I would. Well, well, first off, what movie are we starting with today, Mike? Brad, what the fuck are you cooking me, love? Design for spine. What's on the menu for 1985? 5s S O V L O V E my love ah uh, spine well since we have a more brutal film um uh, co- compared to the other film we we'll be talking we're, we're talking about a little bit later which has some brutal moments too but it's a little more lighthearted as far as the filmmaking process but um spine I don't know if I would choose like a meal. It would be kind of like a snacky snack, like some, some appetizers, but not the anytizers that we're talking about, not the frozen food anytizers. I'm talking about some, some apps, a little bit of appies up in here. Um, I honestly would, would start with a salad because the, I'm going to pair these two movies up for you where you're going to watch these movie, two movies in the same day. So you're going to, you're going to kick off spine with a Anna pasta salad, which it it's just loaded with all that meat, those uh, banana peppers where you can bite into half of it and then and like let it juice out and you know spray it around on the on the salad and just all that meat just save it right in your mouth where it just sits. Mm, so good, I love it. Are, you, are, are we putting olives up in there? You have you have the the banana peppers, which are traditionally I think when you buy a marinated out of the jar. What, what are they call them? They're calling them pepperoncinis, right? Pepperoncinis, yes, baby. What, what kind of olives are we doing? A Greek medley, pitted, unpitted? What, what, what do you want, baby? I, w- I would, I would do the the sliced black olives. Like you could do them right out of the can. I think, I think, I think those are those are fine too. Because I mean, we're, we're we're spending a lot of time with the salad in general. I'm not going to have you dice up all this stuff, but I mean, dice. You know, roll up your meat like in a meat roll up. You know, cut that up. Toss that in salad, some Italian dressing. You know, nothing too fancy. You know, like little cubes of cheese are is good too, not the shredded shit. Little cubes of cheese. 
Not like the thick ones, like in those little platters that's a finger food, but you know, maybe dice those up a couple times. Like that time, that type of cube cheese. I, I think it's, I think it's a delicious meal. I, I love, I love a good antipasto salad. I think that's going to segue very, very well into the meal that I'll be picking for scary tales. Well, I'm excited about that. I, I do need to know before we move forward, Brad, if you fucks with the feta. No, I do not. What is it about the feta? I've tried it. It's the texture. It's the consistency. Not a big fan. You like a cheese that's that's thick through and through, uh, solid on all four sides. You you want like a cube. Mildly sharp. Mildly sharp. Ah. Yeah, mildly sharp. I'll do I'll do some sharp cheddar, but not that extra sharp. Final question. Any pasta salad, we do need some kind of tomato in it. Are we going with whole cherry tomatoes, or do you do the move where you cut them in half before you toss them in there? I would do the whole because for the other people that want them in there, they're in there. I don't want to cut them up because then the juice gets on the salad because I'm going to pick mine out, sir. I don't do cherry tomatoes. Oh, my God, Bradley. uh, I fucking uh, love you. I do not do cherry tomatoes as well. If I were to do them, I would beg that they be cut in half. Just because I, 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 it's super fucking gross when you bite down on it and the whole thing pops in your mouth and it tastes like a goddamn mm. child's hot dog. Brad, let me tell you what I would not eat before 1985's Spine. Can I tell you that, Brad? Tell me, baby. I would not eat a stew that was cooking all day made of bone-in oxtail. Oof. Yeah, I, I would definitely kind of stay away from that, too. I'm going to avoid that shit. I like it. I'm not going to eat that the day I watch Motherfucking Spy. Anyway, here we go. Let's jump right into it. Brad, what's all going on with Spine? Man, um, I think we have to prep people for, for a little bit uh, of Spine. Spine is a shot on video film. But there's something eerie uh, about about this film, and we'll get into that. But there's something very creepy and realist, realistic to to Spine. I feel first off, the music is very unnerving. Our our killer is very very creepy for the first half of the film. He's kind of had this. He has this brooding quality, um, uh, very menacing, but also looks just like any normal guy. But his uh, his, his his height and his kind of broad shoulders it makes him very intimidating this guy could easily handle himself and and once kind of we start i mean we start right off with a murder and then another murder and another murder so we have kind of this you know it, it starts off as a slasher but we we also know who the killer is so it's not like a hidden identity he obviously shows himself he has these uh, shades on that he wears um, so we know who it is, kind of very similar to, uh, kind of final exam in, in a way, as we r- immediately know who our killer is and we see him, you know, up front. It's not like a hidden thing, which, which I also enjoy watching that because I don't like too many slashers where the, uh, identity's hidden because we're trying to figure out. Sometimes we're distracted by trying to figure, figure that portion out, but it's just laid flat right out there who the killer is. And um, I think that gives it a little bit more, makes it more uh, intense and kind of uh, dreadful. Um, and I think for a shot on video film, I think it does it fairly well. And also just the fact of the reason why they call it Spine is that we do get very brutal backstabbings 
uh, in the film where the spines are then exposed. But how do you, how do you, how do you, uh, feel about spine, Mike? Am I on the right track? Do you feel the same way? But the, the crazy fucking story that, that this killer's operating upon, like, really throws us off. Cause here's a dude, Brad, all he wants to do is kill the woman named Linda. Linda, Linda gonna, gonna get it. <laughs> Linda gonna get it. And every fucking, per, like, female person, so 50% of the planet, and, like, whatever percentage of that population wears, uh, like, a white nursing gown is gonna get it in in this killer's mind. So it's a dude who who's out to kill this woman named Linda, who's a... Who's a nurse uh, who we learn at some point in the film was the nurse responsible for or somewhat responsible for the death of his mother. And it might be his sister. And there's some weird incestual shit going on in this movie, too. But what I really appreciate, like Brad said, is how everything's up front. We're not guessing who this guy is. Is it the cop? Is it like there's no red herring? It's not pieces where where we think like anybody could be the killer at any time. Or like any random episode of Scooby-Doo. Like, we know who it is. And what's interesting is finding out why he's doing what he's doing. And then, even when you know what he's doing, what he's doing, you're you're still like, really? This is this is what's happening. I, I I think it's I think it's wild in that sense. the The fact that it's shot on video though makes it one hundred percent uh more unsettling because it kind of feels that we're watching actual VHS footage of of crime scenes. Not not because it's done particularly uh expertly, you know, with with uh in in regards to the makeup or the murders, but because it has that. SOV that shot on video quality to it where you you feel like you're the stander by in the room. Am, am I off base? Um, no, I, I I think that with with certain shot on video films where it's a sense of realism with the violence. Um, yeah, I think there is kind of this sense of uh, you kind of lose your train of thought that we're not watching a movie anymore sometimes, which is great when you get so lost in a movie that you kind of forget that you're watching a movie. And I think with this one in particular, that happens from time to time. Um, I mean, there is a lot of goofy stuff that happens that brings you out of it. But I think at certain times with the killer, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's pretty pretty scary at times and very creepy with uh what's happening and and plus with with spine um you know even though it's shot on uh the filmmakers that made this were you know a good decent filmmakers uh you know the other stuff that they made um wasn't wasn't garbage uh you know they, they made a couple shot on video films they shot other films on 35 so when they made this it wasn't like uh some of our other films like we're going to be talking about later maybe scary tales where it's kind of buddies making movie or the you know the brothers polonia uh making films these people knew what they were doing the shots were uh well done um the zoom zoom in and zoom out on on the on some of the scenes were was well done it's not jarring or uh like fidgety i guess you could say it's uh, very smooth so when it does that um i know that handheld stuff can kind of give even more sense of a realism 
but uh, sometimes it takes you out because it looks like they're just bumbling with around with the camera. But I think with this one, um, yeah, certain aspects, certain shots, especially with the killer in the beginning, uh, gives it that sense of realism. To Brad's point, there are a few scenes, like in any shot on video uh, a film, where there is uh, handheld aspects to it. But by and large, man, this uh, particular movie plays a lot on its inspiration from Brian De Palma and, and voyeuristic uh, filmmaking. I know the filmmakers, they they mentioned it in commentaries and interviews about how they were trying to go for like a dress to kill type thriller. And I think that that voyeuristic aspect of it comes out very well uh, in, in the final product. And the directors themselves had made fetishistic bondage pictures uh, before they entered into the feature game. This is their their first feature film, and it's also shot on video. I thought they had something before this that was shot on 35. It's it's the Serpent Warriors from 1985. Zoologist is called to a construction site that is played by snakes. It uh, stars... Christopher Mitchum, which we mentioned on a previous episode, uh, also with Clint Walker and Eartha Kitt. So that's like, that's a really bizarre working on kind of a bigger movie with Eartha Kitt, Christopher Mitchum, and Clint Walker, and then going right to a direct-to-video film. That's, or not direct-to-video, shot-on-video film. That's, uh, that's pretty cray. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's crazy. And also with the adult stuff they worked with, they worked with Michelle Bauer, I was reading, and uh, Linnea Quigley when they were making uh, kind of more risque pornographic films rather than kind of your standard uh, nudie horror flicks that they uh, were very popular for. So yeah, moving from 35 to a shot on video film within like a year. That's, uh, but that also tells you, like, that, you know, with a kind of a bigger movie at the time for something like that, with, you know, something even like Eartha Kit in the 80s, um, you know, they knew how to operate a camera. They knew how, how to do that. And you can kind of tell with Spine and, and diving into shot on video films, you really notice, uh, the difference when you have, uh, more accomplished filmmakers rather than kind of like buddies with the camera. Um, and that, and that, right. that I think that's e- even like the two films that we're going to be talking about today are exactly those, those points. Not that one's better than the other, but you could just tell from a technical perspective that this was, uh, well done. You know, it wasn't, there was no kidding around pretty much. And I think, I think the movie gives that vibe off because, uh, something we haven't mentioned yet, Spine's fairly mean. Like, it's not a, it's not a very, uh, it's, 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 I don't want to say the word fun, but there's an aspect to Spine that makes it, um, more uh, compelling and kind of a more, uh, compelling slasher. But again, uh, Spine's not a nice movie. Uh, this, this guy is a brutal killer. It's, um, uh, it's a level kind of, uh, of your giallo, like even misogynistic killer, just brutalizing, uh, women. But it also is self, feels reserved a little bit where it doesn't really want to go overboard with the gore. It's more or less uh, the talk. Like, I think some of the, even what they say is more brutal than what we see on screen. There are a couple sequences that are uh, pretty graphic, but for the most part, it's more or less just knowing that this guy is, like, digging a knife into women's backs and exposing uh, their spines. So... 
as far as an SOV picture goes, and particularly a, a, a slasher at that, it's uh, it's very wordy. And in the script that they came up with for uh, Spine, the uh, <clears throat> the killer's given a lot of soliloquies or monologues or uh, I don't whatever the fancy fucking English class word is uh, for that, where. Where he 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 needs to say a lot that sounds really fucking crazy, and it's not saying much, but it's it's super compelling in in everything he's saying, and the, and the actor Huxley who who plays him is is incredibly uh, enigmatic. Like he pulls you right in, and he creeps you the fuck out. It's I I think he's fantastic. You know, we're we're talking about a movie here, Brad, that had. Well, it had a it had a pretty sizable budget as far as some of these SOVs go. It had a twenty thousand dollar budget. It's fairly high. Okay, it's fairly high for a shot on video film. Fairly high for shot on video. Uh, like you said earlier, they 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 thought or not thought, but they they were used to working on a film. They believed that they would be able to make this picture on film, but then they they decided to go shot on video when. They realized their their budget wasn't quite where it needed to be, and when they they also decided that uh, the video technology had reached a point where, hey, they you know we could we could tell this narrative feature uh, on on video. They they only had one week to shoot this picture, twenty thousand dollar budget. They're really only paying uh, like three or four of the the primary actors most of their money goes into uh, the, the the kits to shoot, the ENG kits, the electronic news gathering kits, the the lights, the sound, etc. That that accounts for what Brad called like, you know, a pretty competent looking production. You know, they they have uh they have well framed shots, uh it, it it's lit well. We're not kind of like looking through like a lot of noise, like video noise, because you know, because it's shot on three quarter inch tape. So we expect, of course, to see uh, see a lot of rainbows, a lot of noise uh, in these cuts. And what's interesting, too, is they're editing deck to deck. Brad, do you remember back in the 90s when we had to edit deck to deck? Yep, I sure do. My, my dude, Ed and I, we were in high school and we had to edit deck to deck. And we had to get the timing down perfect with, like, how soon we were going to, like, start recording on the, 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 the next clip. Because you you have to account for that little bit of rainbow time. That's that's what we called it. I don't know what the fuck it's really called, but where where the recording comes on and it kind of has this like translucent rainbowy looking effect over the edit, and and you had to time that out just perfectly. But whenever I hear about deck to deck editing, I I always think about how fucking frustrating it was uh, to get that to not happen on our <laughs> VHS movies. But anyway, they shoot Brad. They shoot for a week, then they take it back, and they edit it for, like, nine fucking months. Can you imagine that process? Nine months on a deck-to-deck edit. That's crazy. That's just too much, man. Brad, how much footage did they have after they edited for nine months? I have... Do you know the amount? Because that would be very interesting. They had 45 minutes of, of usable footage. Ooh. And it was after... It was, it was after this period... They shot for a week. They edited for nine months. It, you know, of, of course, it's a VHS deck-to-deck edit. And uh, 
And they had half a movie, right? Because because the movie itself is what eighty minutes long. Oh no, no, I think it's I think it's under that. I think it's under seventy. Oh, okay. So so they need to fill it out with like twenty five, thirty minutes. Spine is uh is seventy two, seventy two minutes total. So not too bad. Oh, wow. Not too bad. So they had. You got to do some math. But but we're still looking at half an hour, half an hour of narrative that needs to be created. Yeah. And that's when they came up with the idea of of the police that are going after uh the killer. And they had they had one weekend to do that cuz they only had enough budget. Uh the director funded this like completely out of his own pocket, even that initial 20 grand. So they only had one weekend that they could afford the ENG kits and the the cameras and the editing bag and uh to do the rest of it and that's where they came up with the whole the whole fucking uh police backstory. Which, which I thought was really interesting. On top of all that, the primary story uh, about the ladies that are being pursued by the killer, Brad. Yes. Brad. Yes. Brad, who's my girl from The Hills Have Eyes that's in this movie? Janice Blue. Ruby. Oh, my Maybe Ruby. God, you know, Ruby. Hey, before we move on, then oh. if that's the case... No, I don't... Shut up. What? Is that if you... If they spent that long editing this movie and it wasn't released until 86, that means they probably shot Spine first before Serpent Warriors. Oh, no, most most definitely. And I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because they also, when they were making Spine, they were operating under the assumption that they were going to be the first shot on video feature length film ever. Ooh. They, they had, they... Stolen. They had no idea that they, yeah they had no idea that John Wintergate was out there with Boarding House or or David Pryor on a prior P R I O R episode of S O V P O D. The S O V stands for Suck Our Vaginas. They they had no idea that uh, those movies were in production or or made. Burn. Sorry, John Howard. <laughs> yeah, Ron Howard. No, you fucking no, John Han Solo cuck. Ron, John, John Howard. More like a, more like Apollo Zero. So Janice, Janice. you you got the hots for Janice Blythe or something? Oh, dude! When I first saw the the Hills Have Eyes, I thought she was so fucking cute, <laughs> which is interesting. Yeah, doesn't she have like rolling in the Hills like Have Eyes? Rotting teeth, and like yeah, she has like rotting teeth. She's like twitching, kind of bugging out. How old were you? But like underneath all that, Brad. She's she's a she's a she's a very beautiful lady, yes. But uh in her character no, she's super No, Brad, I have a mature taste, for sure. Yeah. Like I I I've always had I've always had a refined taste. I would uh, say for for the, the Famalis. But um no, I probably first saw The Hills Have Eyes. Uh, I became aware of it after Evil Dead, you know, when they were, when Raimi and Wes Craven were trading posters back and forth. And then I was like, oh, I'll, I'll fucking see that thing. So I definitely saw Evil Dead first and then I saw Hills Have Eyes. So it was probably like early 90s. Okay. I don't know. 12, 12, 13. Back when I could get the bone. Whoa. Boner alert. When I was watching Wes Craven movies, the only thing I was scared about was getting a boner. <laughs> Was that an office reference? Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Um, 
so a, a couple other things I wanted to talk about with with with, uh, with respect to Spine about one of, some of the reasons why I like it because I mean we talked about kind of the filmmaking aspect, kind of how hard it hits as far as content, but there's also a lot of just funky stuff that happens in the movie, and that's kind of I think what it makes it a little bit more. Um, I won't say the word tolerable because that's kind of a negative. Uh, Thing, but just makes it a little more lighthearted, I guess you could say. Like uh, during the second um, second killing, we're introduced early on to this detective that I would I'll just go call him a Jeffrey Combs wannabe. So this Jeffrey Combs wannabe motherfucker comes into the movie and he just like oh this is going to be the lead detective but it doesn't really develop into that um it's kind of the guy that comes in um that kind of steals steals the show later on um but he's like goes up to like the secretary and he's just macking on her while it like abruptly cuts to another murder so like this he's just going off stabbing this woman in the spine and she's screaming and then it cuts to him kind of like trying to like stroke her face of this uh cop in this in the police station kind of hitting on the secretary. And then it cuts back to the woman getting murdered and then it cuts back to him like just smooth talking. And I'm like, man, these are some weird transitions. Like it doesn't it doesn't work, but it also I, it makes it a little bit easier to watch because, I mean, when our killer kills. He literally just kills people. It, it really doesn't serve uh, like a purpose other than that. Um, and also the soundtrack that plays, there is kind of like this sense thing, synth score that plays, but a lot of times it just sounds like a bunch of Foley sounds thrown into a fucking, uh, dryer that just kicks off the sound. Like, you, did you notice that? And I think that's another thing that's a little unsettling, is that it literally just sounds like Foley sounds just mixed together. Um, like, there is no, like, keyboard. It's funny you mention the music at all, because, you know, with the $20,000 budget, uh, like I said, they threw it all into the ENG kits, they threw it all into the camera rentals, the actors, but they set aside $500 uh, for for the composer. And the producers had a composer that that really presented himself and said, like, I'm going to I'm going to write you like a fucking score for this goddamn movie. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to send me dailies and I'm going to send you back music right away that goes with the it like syncs up with the dailies that you're sending me. And you'll be able to to help me tweak it this way or that way to to fully serve your your narrative. And then uh, they, they didn't pay him up front. They they tried to go through this process with the composer and it wasn't it wasn't jiving and then at the end he just kind of scored the picture and the producers were like yeah maybe we'll we'll go with the uh, the studio music or like whatever we could get uh, from the catalog they ended up paying him fifty fucking dollars for for the work yikes which which honestly it 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 makes sense to some of the stuff that they had uh they had going on in in the film because like i said a lot of times uh, the soundtrack's very kind of uh disjointed and it doesn't work um but it also gives it this unsettling vibe because um it's uh i I compare it to a weatherman with nick cage there's that sound that keeps happening in the film like like a scratching uh, but it's really fast, and it's kind of like the theme in a way. 
Um, but it's just like, God damn, like you, it's nerve wracking. It's kind of like how, how, uh, weatherman is at certain, certain parts. I can't believe I'm comparing weatherman and spine. Speedy, if we weren't in two different booths right now, I, I want to kiss you. Thank you so much. I, I, I try to share the weatherman as much as I can. That's, That's the, movie the movie American, American Beauty, Beauty wanted, wanted to be. To be. And thank you for remembering the weatherman. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. And then, um, and I, I wanted a, another thing that you said that I agree but disagree with you on is uh, – but first, we, before we jump into what I'm talking about with agreeing with you and disagreeing with you is the dialogue in the film is is very ill-timed um, with uh, – especially with the police officers. Like it's so – they're to- – like they're just reading – uh, as, as they would, like, no emotion, just reading it from the sheets of paper of the script. Um, at least with a killer. That, that's 100%. Brad, Brad, what they're doing though, that's all reshoots. That's all the fucking pickup to flesh out the movie. Right. To, but to that, that also explains. Those are non, those are non-actors. That's like script that's been written like day of to, to, to figure out like, where the story is going to go. For example, like searching the police database with, with the cop, like he's, he's got like, he's, he's got like five keywords in there and one of them's backbone. And like, he's like, I just can't, <laughs> I just can't figure out this case. And the woman comes up backbone. Why don't you try spine? Okay. Click, 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 click. Oh, Lawrence Ashton. Huh. Okay. Thanks a lot, man. Oh, you're welcome. Have a nice day. Hey, we caught the guy. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What is happening? Like, are you just fucking reading from the fucking paper? Like, show at least a little bit of fucking emotion. And when on the second murder, um, after Jeffrey Combs max on that girl and uh, the girl's killed in her apartment, the two cops go up there. And uh, it's it's one of the best police procedural moments I have ever seen in my entire life. So the cops go because they get, he gets a phone call, right? And, uh, the secretary calls one of the cops and she's like, Hey, there's a domestic dispute. He goes, what the fuck are you calling me for a domestic dispute for? I'm trying to kill the, I'm trying to catch this killer. And she goes, Oh, it's, uh, this nurse. And he's like, why didn't you fucking say so? He goes and then immediately, like he has his gun drawn. When he enters the apartment, but anybody that walks by, he says, police, get the fuck out of here. And I'm like, wait, what if that was one of the killers? Why are you just letting people walk by you? And then he gets in there and they're just like touching evidence and everything. And he's bossing around the other guy to call an ambulance and the other guy's like just like bumbling around going, okay, okay. And it's just like, oh my God. The other cop, it's fucking genius. The other cop who has his weapon drawn. He's holding a shotgun mic. It's not even a gun. See, I thought it was just one of those long barrel revolvers. <laughs> no! It's literally the fucking sound equipment. It's goddamn genius oh, because God. the dude sells it based on the way he's holding it and, like, the face he's making. And, like, you you don't really realize it, 
But yeah, no, he's holding the shotgun mic for the scene. It's the sound yeah, guy. All of that is a total mess. But I tell you, it really kind of offsets kind of how hard this movie is at times. So that makes total sense because one half of the movie is dark and brooding. The other one is your just comical shot and video accidents. It's just so, it's so, so weird how, how it's set up. But uh, there are also some really clever things like i said with with showing the killer right away um one of my favorite gags is when uh the girl and we're not introduced to janice uh blythe's character till about what maybe 30 minutes into the movie or something it feels like um right yeah she gets a phone call from her friend and goes pick her up but like it's such a great moment because she calls her friend she says she'll be there in like 20 minutes and then the camera pans out and kind of shows this bus stop and then it shows her wandering around and then this van pulls up and you're like, oh, shit. And, like, she goes up to the van and tries the door. And you're like, what the fuck? And then out pops Janice Blythe. And I think, was that a gag? Like, thinking that she's going to get killed this soon? or Because it wasn't like, hey, gotcha. It's just there. And I, I felt like that was kind of a gag that they were trying to do. But and it worked, on me at least. I don't know about other people. But it, it feels like that was trying to be like a ha-ha moment uh, while filming. Because we're never really shown what the killer drives. And it looks like a creep van, so it it totally worked. So there are aspects in the film um that uh that that really do work for the killer's perspective and just for uh, a play on the audience. Um especially like uh, when he eventually goes to the door and it's that, uh, like they could only just kind of see his silhouette and he's like walking around the door. Like that's a, I think that's a pretty effective moment because we know who he is. They don't, but it's also unsettling because he won't like leave them alone. And, and that's another aspect of the film that I like is that he just shows up and he's there. It's not like sneaking around trying to get in the house. No, he just like goes to the front door and knocks on it and says, Hey, what's up? I'm, I'm here and he like gets like a fake name of somebody he's trying to meet or something. But, um, yeah, I, I really dig that aspect. But to go back to what I said about how I agree and disagree with you, when he actually starts talking, that's when it makes his character not as menacing because he's like a child when he speaks. He isn't this like, over like just this broad shoulder brooding character anymore he's kind of like this uh very childlike um uh insecure uh isn't well organized killer um because he just starts babbling nonsense and that's a part of the film where it takes me out of being creepy into the point where it's just he's not scary anymore. So honestly, I would prefer if he didn't speak. I think that would have been more effective for me. Brad is, of course, 100% wrong. <laughs> Spine is available on DVD through Massacre Video. Brad, it, do you have the, the DVD of Spine? Absolutely. It has a fantastic reversible cover. It has, it has cool art, you know, on the, the front when you buy it. But if you, if you flip it over, they do a cool, uh, retro VHS, uh, design for you. I recommend that you pick She's up. She's also missing a leg. It's the, un, it's the cut version. I think her leg's missing when she's crawling away. 
I could be wrong on that. But on the original cover, her leg is intact. On the reverse cover, her leg is actually chopped off. So depending on how you like your 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 uh, empowered feminist women with or without legs, <laughs> uh, you can decide which which side of the cover that uh, that you uh, present to your guests at your home. Now, look, you're you're having dinner parties, obviously, because one of the features of the SOV POD is is of course uh, dinner and a movie. So you can also decide, hey. I'm going to show the side with the leg or nay, I will show the side without the leg. So it look, it's your own choice. But Brad, of course, people should go out and get the massacre video, right? Absolutely. Ab-so-fucking-lutely. And look, listen, a lot of what we talked about here today was from the great work that they did over at Massacre Video on Spine. Uh you know, there's there's a lot of trailers over there. There's commentaries, interviews, all kinds of good fucking shit. And pick it up. And Brad, don't yes. forget that Spine was one of those tapes that was extremely rare and hard to find. Um, it wasn't one of those mass produced titles. Um, Spine was kind of like a it, it was a big collector's item for a long time. It kind of still is because the VHS is very rare. So it's a very underseen movie. Yeah, with with the twenty thousand dollar budget, the the producers estimate they only got back in the day maybe like ten grand, which is which is nothing. Like I could literally grab all the t shirts in my house, go on my front lawn, and sell them for more than ten thousand dollars. But that's called privilege. And do you know what else is called privilege, Brad? What is that, Mike? Being being able to buy your child. Uh, a meal from Arby's and Brad, do they have uh, children's meals at Arby's? They do. They do. And here is from our number one sponsor. Of course, they paid us hundreds of dollars to do this. Here is Arby's with a child's meal commercial. The new smoked Italian porchetta. Italian grandmother approved recipe. American grandmother approved Arby's. Arby's, we have the meats. Scary tales to you. Look, it's not fucking happy trails. It is scary tales man 1993 something that i i i think and and brad might uh brad like might let me know otherwise but i don't think this is a thing like most of us saw until just about a year or two ago presented by mondo video and of course bleeding skull scary tales 1993 but before we get into it i want a main course you 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 teased me with the antipasta brad but now I want something proteiny, man. The great proteiny. If you if you were a magician and I wanted to build muscle, and I know you know how to build muscle on me, baby. I know you know how to make my organs swell. What would be the great protein you would give me? All right. Get a pen. Get a paper. Uh, this is something that I normally would not recommend because I'm not a Pizza Hut fan. But... 
my good friend, uh, Jordan Reardon, who I think listens to the show, uh, this will test if he does, because then he'll say, hey, you said that thing about me. So he introduced me to a pizza from Pizza Hut, and I'm not a Pizza Hut person. I liked Pizza Hut when I was, like, you know, in the 90s when the Turtles was eating pizza. That was actually good. Uh, but Pizza Hut's changed. They got a, I just think it's too greasy, but... I was introduced to a pizza. So uh, this pizza is absolutely delicious. One of the best pizzas I've had in my entire life. And just hear me out. Some of the ingredients I'm going to mention are going to be like, ah, I don't really like that. But try it on this pizza because I necessarily don't like some of these ingredients either on pizzas. So here we go. All right. So you're going to do a thin crust. All right. You're going to do uh, regular cheese. You're going to do barbecue sauce all right because it's like every every part of this pizza is a key ingredient for it to work you can't take something out and it work all right so thin crust regular cheese barbecue sauce don't get any flavored crust you're gonna top it with onions with mushrooms and pineapple and then what really makes this pizza killer is peruvian cherry peppers all right that's what she said i tell you what this pizza will fucking mold your mind does it bang the tits tits off your your ass ass dick it will slap the titties off your mama's chest so this pizza will just be will change your life and what's better than having a pizza a party pizza with a party movie, like Scary Tales. Then, oh, I was going to say them fucking it. All right, so Scary Tales. You are right. Uh, this was not – there has been no legitimate release uh, of this movie. The only people that saw this movie prior was uh, very much kind of like how Run Coyote Run was distributed, was just the video stores, some of the – and that's the reason why this shot on video – podcast is so uh, important because there was a lot of filmmakers that would make their movies not have any distribution and just kind of uh, do a like sell it themselves so they would only sell it in that surrounding nearby video stores in their hometown and then um, that was it so uh, scary tales was sold on VHS from the filmmakers themselves never properly or had a legitimate release. So the only way to really see it was um, if you were lucky. You could have saw it years ago on these tapes that uh, were very scarce. Or uh, from Bleeding Skull that released it uh, a couple years ago. I, I saw... I saw Scary Tales for the first time last March. That was my intro to Scary Tales. And I fucking loved it. I watched it the day after South by Southwest 2017. Um, I accidentally stayed a day over from the festival, which I, I just I, I planned my uh, trip out wrong. So I had a full day with uh, some friends, which was nice because recovering from South by watching movies for eight days, five movies a day is uh, is not easy. I'll just say it that. So we had a day where we just sat down and we did nothing but watch movies, but we lounged on the couch and ate. So it was kind of a recovery point. And my buddy, Noah Lee, he said, hey, um, have you seen this? Because he knew I really like shot on video films and we were talking about some other stuff. And I said, I have no idea what that is. And he, he put it in 
And I was immediately, this movie immediately grabbed me. And uh, it, it's a party movie. And that's why party pizza. Pizza, fucking salad, pizza, scary tales. This is the perfect blend for a perfect night. Mike, what would you choose to eat scary tales? It, it's it's a pizza night, and of course, Brad, my my babe Henderson, has picked the the best pizza to go with it. And I trust him a hundred percent, of course. But I'm gonna pick something to go with the pizza. Well, I'm gonna do my my regular move, which is the the ranch in sriracha. I make the sriracha. Okay, I've I've talked about it before. We're doing it again. But also, I, I want some just good old-fashioned fucking uh, wings, some some buffalo wings, a little spicy. I want, I want the shit where you're, you're really fucking sucking the goddamn motherfucking fried uh, meat off the bone. It will be so delicious. And then slug it down. I haven't done this in a couple episodes, but uh, slug it all down with a Diet Coke. Has to be Diet Coke. You, you got to get the aspartame. Bro, we're all trying to kick heroin. That's why we watch SOV movies and eat junk food. Because we don't want to shoot up our veins and die an early death. Now, Brad, here, here's the thing I love about these Bleeding Skull videos. Um, I, I don't think we've mentioned this with uh, Run Coyote Run or Blonde Death. So, I think... Scary Tales is a perfect one to kind of talk about this with. It's so goddamn cool, man, how, well, you know, you pop in the DVD or the VHS tape, and they'll do they'll do a cute little uh, Bleeding Skull Mondo video introduction that looks animated, you know, to, to the period. But then they'll they'll do a trailer where it has in, in the VHS font, it'll say, like, coming attractions or, like, coming soon, you know? But then when it switches over to the feature presentation, like it all seems like within the VHS, within the era, right? Whatever you put in this tape or this DVD, you're immediately sucked back. I agree, I Mike, Delaney. Mike Delaney. Shit, shit bro. bro. Shit, shit. 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 I, said, I said okay. It's, it's super fun how, how they present these things. And when, when you pop in the tape, you don't feel like you're watching some retrograde presentation of, of a movie that, you know, that's being sold to like hipsters or like hipster adjacent. Like you feel like you discovered the tape that, uh, that you have in your hands. And I think that's super fun because there, there's always a feeling of discovery with these bleeding skull videos, you know, through Mondo, uh, scary tales is great in that it's an anthology. Okay. Uh, and it has, it has some book ending to it with like this weird, uh, demonic creature that is talking. The crypt keeper. <laughs> it's kind of like the crypt keeper. Yeah. <laughs> he's like the crypt keeper. Right. And he's talking to kids and it immediately reminded me of, uh, 96's, uh, Merlin Shop of Mystical Wonders, where it has it has these tales that could be that could be like kid friendly or family friendly, but the just the way they're presented, you're like, man, that's fucked up. Because scary tales isn't super gory, it's not super scary, it's not super subversive. It's kind of like PG thirteen territory, but just into R and just right outside of R, you know. But but they present these three stories, and uh, the first one is called Satan's Necklace, mm. right? Am I right? I dig it. I dig it. <laughs> and it, I I fucking love Satan's Necklace. 
uh, for a few reasons. Well, it starts off with a lot of mullets. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Before, before you some... start into, before you start into the yeah. actual, um, story, let's talk about the Crypt Keeper's character when he gives the best explanation about the story. He goes, the first story is Satan's necklace. A guy finds a necklace, but it's just not a necklace. It's, it's Satan's, Satan's necklace. necklace. And then it starts. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck yes. I know exactly right. what I'm going to watch right now. Yeah. And, and not only that, but after, you know, Brad's 100% correct. But right after he says, not only is it a necklace, it's Satan's necklace. It fucking cuts to inner titles on the VHS that says Satan's necklace. All, all lowercase. It's case. super fucking funny. All lowercase. Yeah. Satan's necklace uh, is great. It starts off with a lot of mullets, a lot of inappropriate humor about blind people, particularly uh, Stevie Wonder. But what I love, that one of the centerpieces in Satan's necklace is this bar. It's presented as being like a downtown bar. But it's obviously someone's basement <laughs> in the 80s. And like I'm watching the movie. I'm like, oh, that's fucking right. Like you used to go to your like bougie friend's house and they'd have a fucking bar downstairs. This was like in the 80s or early 90s. And, uh, you know, of course, it came over from the 60s or 70s. But the best part about it was the fucking wood paneling on the walls. They didn't have wallpaper or they didn't have a uh, plaster of Paris, you know, like up on the wall. They had like the wood paneling, like everything looked like it was fucking out of the Brady Bunch. And and the, the, this bar that the characters go to, the police character and his, his best buddy with the metal detector, you know, they they hang out in this basement bar with the, this fucking awful wood paneling that's amazing. But the ceiling to the bar, since it's a basement, it's like what? It's like six and a half feet tall. <laughs> so everyone looks like they're goddamn giants in this place. But uh, but anyway, Satan's Necklace starts off in a bar. Uh, we meet the, the two primary characters, a police officer uh, who, who refers to himself kind of like Dick Tracy. And then just kind of like a schlubby everyday dude, like like a Dante Hicks from Clerks or something. I don't know. But we, we learn that this everyday dude, he has a metal detector that he takes out to the Little League field. I, I don't know. It's his hobby or some shit. And he finds a necklace that he unearths with a trowel, like three inches, you know, buried deep, deep in the earth. And he puts on this thing and he immediately <laughs> becomes obsessed with it. And it becomes obsessed with him, maybe. Possession. Possession of the necklace. Who was possession of the necklace? It is indeed, man. He looks He looks in the mirror, this, like, uh, mirror on the, the side of the, the wood paneling, and he sees little horns. And there's, there's you know, some funny, like, SOV interplay with, like, uh, sexual innuendo and shit, where his girlfriend's like, I'm horny. And he's like, I am too. You know? Oh, God, that line's but, so uh, good. It's so good. Uh, but it's this dude who decides he's going to start wearing a necklace. Brad, have you ever worn a necklace? No, I no, do. I have no, not, no. I've never worn a necklace. Brad, have you ever worn a thumb ring? <laughs> Absolutely not, no. <laughs> All right. So necklaces are like thumb rings right like you're not gonna wear them for whatever reason so why the fuck would you go to a little league field with a metal detector dig it up and wear it well brad the answer is 
easy, of course. It's possessed by Satan. In fact, it's it's Satan's necklace. And so he wears this thing for an extended amount of time. He sees himself as Satan. He goes to multiple more dance parties. He like he has these dreams, right, where he's like fucking his girlfriend and shit. And she, like, throws up on him, like, blood. And then he's like, oh, it was all a dream. How much do you love the fact that he told his girlfriend's like, what's the matter, baby? And he's like, I had a dream that we had sex. Like, how fucking great is that? That dude just <laughs> I, uh, tells her that straight. The, the dialogue is 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 really funny. Um, like you mentioned in the beginning with, with uh, the Stevie Wonder jokes, but they, the guy tells a joke at the bar. And it's so fucking terrible. He says, um, what does he say? What do, uh, what does a computer and a blonde have in common? You don't appreciate them until they go down on you. And they have this most fake laugh after this joke. I want to know, is that joke like something that they told each other and they fucking cracked up prior to that? Or if it was just something like on the fly, told the joke, let's fake laugh. But every line of dialogue in this is humorous to me. It's just based off delivery because uh, most of the time the lead actor's smiling. Even when he's trying to look mean as part of like this demon character that's taking over his body, he kind of has this like half-assed smirk on his face the entire time. And that gives the movie just a little bit more charm. I don't know. Maybe if it was like the Polonia brothers, they would think that the computer blonde joke. Yeah. They would love that shit. Oh my God. They, they saw scary tales and they're like, why didn't you come up with that? You fucking asshole (laughs) hitting each other and shit. But, uh, it's of course an anthology. So we have, uh, multiple sections to scary tales. We're not going to give away every beat of each movie, but the, the second tale is more in line with what we talked about during Spine. It's more of a uh, a straight, like, slasher, right? Like a stalker slasher. Sliced, Sliced in, cold in Cold Blood. Brad, tell us about Sliced in Cold Blood. Motherfucking getting cheated on. All this boyfriend want is some punani. He ain't getting it. Bitch cheating. And then we gonna go on a killing spree and kill every motherfucker in the room. Except... No substitutes. Yeah, this motherfucker, dude, look, the dude just wants sex from his girlfriend, okay? We find out very early on because she throws the the blouse she was wearing when she was cheating on him at him. And he pulls out a note that's like, motherfucker, I cheated on you. Here's the name of the person I cheated on you with. And he's like, ooze, I'm going to go kill motherfucking Bob. And, like, from from then on, it becomes, like, a killing spree. We have what's super cool is it starts off, Brad, with a with a bow and arrow kill. Mm, like, it's, yes. like, it's, we need to talk about Kevin or, like, Disney Pixar's Brave, you know? Like, it's a good bow and arrow kill. Dude, I'm, I love the machete with the heads. Um, he sticks it through the back of somebody's head and it pops out their mouth. And he also clubs the fuck out of somebody with it and like splits their head open. And he like, he, he like, yeah, when he, he nails it and then he grabs the hair and like rips it and it like splits the skull in half. And I'm like, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it's super cool. Like the, the way he does the, uh, the scalping 
That's that's how I I thought of it. Yeah, scalping. He he does the uh, he does the machete through the back of the head. It comes through the mouth. There's the scalping, and then there's a decapitation. There's all kinds of shit. This dude just goes on a fucking. Uh, one of the famous clips. I think I tweeted it out last week. Is uh. When when he squeezes the uh, the overweight dude's head and the eyes pop out, you know. Yeah, very cool. It's during during that whole sequence, but yeah, it's kind of like just an orgy of fucking death, sliced in cold blood. I dig it. And then, um... and again, like like Spine, we know exactly who the killer is. We know exactly. Are what we the motive supposed is. to? Because it's kind of hidden. And then when it is the reveal, we're like, duh. Like, what were you expecting us to think? No, I, well, I thought about that, Brad, and I thought, like, maybe that plays into the filmmaking in that maybe they didn't have the actor from the first scene. They didn't have him available to play the killer, so they, they didn't want to show his face, like, during all the, the, the slaughters. Yeah, because cause then they just... But, yeah, you're right in that they, they reveal him like it's a big reveal, and it's like... We fucking knew. Yeah. Well, the the I think the story of making making these um, is that they made these as shorts uh, prior to actually making this into scary tales, and then they filled them in as a wraparound. So level twenty one, which is the third third one, and in sl- uh, sliced in cold blood, all that stuff was kind of made prior, and uh, they just put it all together into scary tales to make to make a feature um apparently they f- they filmed in cold blood a few times in a- di- different ways as kind of growing as filmmakers so that's that's pretty cool too it's like they wanted to get it down because apparently these guys have been making movies since they were the director is like uh 15 or or 16 he started making uh just short films of between two minutes and whatever and then he met his friend who's the blonde in in the in the film uh and they just started uh, bouncing off ideas together um there was a thing with um with uh, kind of the the interview between them is that they would come up with all their ideas at Taco Bell which i thought was very very interesting cuz i was like Taco Bell uh came to us about sponsorship um the other day and i was like hey well you know we're going to talk about that actually cuz in scary tales uh, you know, during the making of a lot of these shorts in this film is they would have meetings at Taco Bell. He said it's perfect because you can sit there for like six hours, you get refillable drinks for free, um, and then if you get a little hungry, you get a couple dot bucks and you can go get a taco. And I was like, you know, maybe we should start recording at Taco Bell. And kind of like... Brad, this is an amazing commercial for Taco Bell, and did you know... Taco Bell now has the premium cantina line where, bread. we can get some fucking cheap tacos and cervezas, baby. We'll, we'll see what Taco Bell says, but which I thought was kind of a cool little tidbit for Scary Tales because these guys have been, been making movies for quite some time. They have a lot of other, uh, or not a lot, and there are a few other films that they've done. Uh, Screen Kill, um, Darkest Soul. Uh, and they have this and they have a vampire film that came out a few years ago. Um, I say a few years ago is like, you know, fucking 15 years ago now, but, uh, <laughs> I still think like 2003 is just like, was around like yesterday, but yeah, I thought it was kind of a, a cool growing experience between all of them just working together and kind of that, uh, they have the DIY attitude, but also the never give up type, uh, type style. So, and also utilizing what they film to make kind of this 
wraparound a- anthology. And, you know, co- and fucking props to him with the Crypt Keeper character because that's really well lit and really well shot for as cheap as they had this. I thought it's definitely like the highlight of the film. When that Crypt Keeper character comes on, I was like, you know what? That is kind of creepy. I, I dig that quite a bit. And it leans into the, the cool uh, noise effect that you get from the the low light VHS, which which I think is pretty awesome. It like it, it plays into the limitations, which uh, which makes it even creepier. Yeah, and and even though they filmed kind of these shorts, you know, through a period of time, it's also very am like a, a, anytime somebody makes a movie. I've said that before. Anytime someone makes a movie, it's a big deal. It's ambitious, but there's also certain aspects that you know people take a little bit step further. And is making an anthology film like this, but also having three different, like, uh, Level 21 is like sci-fi video game stuff. Then we have Sliced in Cold Blood, which is slasher. And then the, uh, uh, Satan's, Satan, it's not no ordinary necklace. It's Satan's necklace. Having this demon, uh, kind of, uh, possession short, kind of all, all shoved, all crammed together into this anthology. I think it just really works. And, and that's what the reason why I love this movie so much is because you get to watch in Friends being in the, in the, in the film, uh, in the shorts again and again, the, the leads played by, uh, the, the director each time. It just fucking works clear across the board. And, and that's, uh, this is like one of the pure definitions of, of, of these shot on video films that are fun. And it's just the kind of this buddy friend thing that people did. And, um, I dig it. I dig it so much. Yeah. Where, where Brian Sauer and Elric Kane have pure cinema podcast, we have pure definition of SOV. That's, that's mm. what the fuck you are listening to now. Brad, tell us about the third film in the anthology, Level. 21 which is crazy it's basically uh kind of a, a riff on on tron a guy is obsessed with this video i don't think the video game's ever mentioned but he's stuck on level 20 i can't get past level 21 then his son comes down hey dad it's so awkward too he's like hey and he's like in his night night t-shirt he's like hey dad um you, you said you promised you'd play catch and he's like looks down at his computer and he's like not today I'm I'm busy. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man on the moon. He's huffing and puffing. And he just didn't really give a shit. But my favorite transition is when it, like, the woman walks upstairs, his wife, and she goes, you could really be an asshole. And the next scene is that they're walking in the grocery store. And he just looks over at the cereal and he goes, that razor bread looks really good. <laughs> and she puts it in the cart and he goes i can't get past level 20 and it's like dude like this is the transition for 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 uh you know the, the, these scenes is that he's just obsessed with passing this level but it's just told in so awkward like sort of fashion but it works so well it's super fucking awkward and i wrote in my notes i i, I took a a, a note on how the first film was about the obsession with the necklace, or maybe the necklace's obsession with its uh, its host. And then the second film was about the obsession between the boyfriend and his, uh, his his lover, you know. And then the third film is about the obsession between the man in the video game and the same man 
and fucking raisin fucking bran. raisin he bran. fucking he wanted that raisin bran so bad and his his girlfriend who fucking hated him for fucking uh standing up their their goddamn kid was like no i i get it dude we gotta fuck raisin bran she she threw that in the cart so fast she's like you're goddamn right i hate your ass right now but we're gonna eat the shit out of this raisin <laughs> bran we're gonna give it cunnilingus i just think like that just walking by and like whenever you're in a grocery store and just pointing to something and saying that looks really good like, what are you saying that looks really... That's like walking by a fucking Campbell's can of tomato soup and saying, Hey, that looks really good. No, it looks in a fucking can. It sounds really good. Like, hey, you know, this Arby's beef and cheddar. Slow roasted beef and tangy cheddar. There's a taste that's hard to beat. And you won't feed Arby's four beef and cheddars for five fifty-five. Arby's, it's better out here. But... Well, I guess if you look at a picture from Arby's, who's going to fucking kid? That shit looks delicious, too. But, I mean, as far as, like, cereal goes, are we basing that off the, the, the cartoonish bowl or this uh, very close-up of the of the fucking chunks of uh, raisins and, and bran in on this picture? It just, I, I just think it's funny a funny thing to say. I might be looking too much into it. I just think in looking at a box and saying, hey, that Raisin Bran looks really good, is just so fucking funny. It's it, it it's the funniest line of the movie to me. It cracks me up. Super funny, but if you explore it too much further, you're going to turn into Jerry Seinfeld trying to figure out... <laughs> What's the deal with the Raisin <laughs> Bran? Guy? And nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares about the number of raisins in the goddamn Raisin Bran. You're eating Raisin Bran. You've given up on life anyway. What happens when you beat level 20 and you get to level 21? You get sucked, you get sucked in, in like Tron, Tron, but it's not it's like not Tron. Tron. It's like it's some, like medieval, some medieval, medieval warriors and Conan and ninjas, and ninjas and you fight them. That's level 21. I love it. Yeah, so you get sucked into level 21 and he goes, I thought level 21 would be the game. And the the little midget who's on their knees. Oh, wait, can I say midget? The actor who's on their knees pretending to be a uh, stunt impaired, uh, uh, stilted impaired is like, nope, this is reality. Shit. Dun, 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 dun. Right. But, but then it turns into full on LARPing for like fucking half an hour where we have this dude. He's literally wearing the gladiator armor you buy. You buy your five-year-old, uh, where where it looks like the 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 breasts have pecs and it's like plastic and it's like gold and silver and it has abs. He he's he's wearing that and he fights ninjas. He fights an orc, right? Like an is that what you call the bald guys? Orcs? Yeah. They look like uh, Goro from Mortal Kombat. Flawless victory. Are you there, Brad? Are you there? Yeah, I said flawless victory. And he fights the Dark Lord. Who looks like goddamn Quentin Tarantino, and I I thought that was probably the best uh probably the best touch for a movie that that came out after Reservoir Dogs before Pulp Fiction. They knew who the fuck to make fun of before it was cool to make fun of them, <laughs> and I thought that that was really awesome. But Brad, here's the thing that I thought was very inappropriate in the movie. 
very, very goddamn uh, impolite. They threw fire in a public park. What kind of permit do you need for that, Fucking Brian? scary tales in your fucking fires and parks. Do you know what Smokey would say about that? Huh? Is the name Smokey? But Smokey would be so pissed. We should fucking send Goro after the scary tale filmmakers and say you don't set fires and parks. Yeah, you fuck them. You fuck the park and you fuck the fire and you fuck everything. Fuck it. Fuck it all. So, um, but no, I, I love it. I, I was hoping the park would actually burn down in that short, but, um, I, uh, yeah, I applaud the filmmakers for making something so different because as far as like anthologies go in general, sometimes they're not very compelling. Um, as far as storytelling, this one is, and especially being a shot on video film, it goes above and beyond what most do. Um, it's very fun. The actors are obviously having a blast. It's all friends and like the friends repeat. The wife's always the wife. Uh, you know, the, the blonde dude, his name's Al. He shows up in, 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 in the shorts. Like it's just. It's just kind of another family affair, which most of these shot on video films are. But there's something a little bit special about this one. It's a family affair. Because they're smiling and having a good time. It's a family affair. I need you to stop singing. So, Scary Tales is, of course, available through MondoTees.com. $10. It's beautiful. You get get the movie. You can download it in in SD or uh, close to HD. Because of course it's a it's a it's a VHS film. You can't get full HD. The other film we talked about today was Spine. It is available through Massacre Video on DVD in a special edition. But next week, Brad, next week we have a a double feature. And this the, the special thing about this is the double feature is available on the same goddamn DVD. It's, uh, I believe, a Severin Films imprint. It's uh, Intervision, and it's a double feature of Dreamstalker and Death by Love. Motherfucking Dreamstalker! Dreamstalker, it's coming to get you! A double feature through Intervision. Please hop onto Amazon or any of your independent retailers. Brad and I recommend Grindhouse Video. They have a great Intervision uh, page where you can get some fantastic goddamn shot on video movies. Find it however you need to find it. For T-H-E-S-O-V-P-O-D, the T-H-E stands for the, I'm Mike Delaney. And look, I've apologized about that in the past, but today Brad made me realize here in beautiful Calabasas, California, that maybe being Mike Delaney isn't so bad. Like, maybe maybe it's kind of something to embrace, okay? And I, I, I don't want to speak for Brad. I want Brad to sign off today and to, to give us the, the sign-out thought. So, Brad, take it away. I would grab a moon pie and think about you. Thinking about that Mike Mike D. D. For Brad, for the love of Jesus fucking Christ, by the class of 1999 on the too expensive Vestron Blu-ray, this is Mike D. saying. Um, oh God. Um, you're the fucking worst. Um, oh God. Um, you're the fucking worst. Good day. You're the fucking worst. I'll cut out the penis shit. I'll cut out the penis shit in the asshole. Once upon a time, not.
live life slow. Well, laws were stern and justice stood. And people were behaving like they ought to good. There lived a little boy who was misled by another little boy. And this is what he said. Me and you tonight, we're gonna make some cash. Robbing old folks and making the dash. They did the job, money came with ease. But one couldn't stop, it's like he had a disease. He robbed another Stick and another up. and Stick a sister up. and a brother. Tried to rob a man who was a DT undercover. The cop grabbed his arm, he started acting erratic. He said, keep still, boy, no need for static. Punched him in his belly and he gave him a slap. But little did he know the little boy was strapped. The kid pulled out a gun, he said, why'd you hit me? The barrel set straight for the cop's kidney. The cop got scared, the kid he starts to figure. I'll do years if I pull this trigger. So he cold dashed and ran around a block. Cop radios into another lady cop. He ran by a tree, there he saw the sister. Shot for the head, he shot back, but he missed her. Looked around good and from expectations, he decided he'd hit for the subway stations. But she was coming and he made a left. He was running top speed till he was out of breath. Knocked an old man down and swore he killed Sorry. him. Then he made his move to an abandoned building. Ran up the stairs up to the top floor. Opened up a door there. Guess who he saw? Who? Dave the dope be shooting dope. Who don't know the meaning of water nor soap? He said, I need bullets. Hurry up, run. The dope fiend brought back a spanking shotgun. He went outside, but there was cops all over. Then he dipped into a car, a stolen Nova. Raced up the block doing 83. Crashed into a tree near university. Escaped alive, though the car was battered. Rat-a-tat-tatted and all the cops got. Ran out of bullets and he still had static Grabbed the pregnant lady and pulled out the automatic Pointed out ahead, he said the gun was full of lead He told the cops, back off, for honey, here's dead Deep in his heart, he knew he was wrong So he let the lady go and he starts to run on Sirens sounded, he seemed astounded And before long, the little boy got surrounded He dropped his gun, so went the glory And this is the way I have to end this story He was only 17 in a madman's dream The cops shot the kid, I still hear him scream This ain't funny, so don't you dare laugh Just another case about the wrong path Straight and arrow are your soldiers Cast. Good night. Knock him out the box, Rick. Knock him out, Rick. Crumbs. <laughs>